HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Discover South Carolina. Learn more at discoversouthcarolina.com. This week on Meet and 3, we dedicate our stories to elders, grandparents, and family members who came before us. Some people called on the phone. What time is your appointment? Mine's 2.45. Our friend, the dentist, he, he was 3.30. And it was like a social event. It's a small island. A lot of them I knew when I was a kid. So it was, you know, to really help them feel like they they weren't alone. It's partly this communal nature of food, and so it can operate as a bridge, um, not just between neighbors and friends, but also between the living and the dead. Listen to Meet in 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. I am Kat Johnson, and this week I am joined by my co-host, Hannah Forden, HRN's program manager. Hello, Hannah. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. We are excited to be back um, on HRN Happy Hour. Our last episode was with the one and only Jillian Zettler from Charleston Wine and Food. And we're continuing the theme this week because we are having part one of two episodes that are focusing once again, on the great state of South Carolina. Um, Discover South Carolina has been a longstanding partner of Charleston Wine and Food. And for the last five years, when we could have this amazing event in person, they presented the opening night, which is the signature event that kicks off the festival and is a celebration of local and regional chefs and ingredients. Um, And Hannah, you and I have both been to these events. They're awesome. And this year we're Yeah, we're celebrating not being able to be there in person by just doing this virtually. Exactly. It's it's it feels like it's not really spring if we don't get to visit Charleston. A hundred percent. So today, in order to celebrate this, we're welcoming two of South Carolina's chef ambassadors, and I'm excited because they're they're neither of them are from South are from Charleston. They're from other cities in South Carolina that we know a little bit less about. So I'm really excited to to hear about their restaurants, hear about the towns that they cook in, and just get their perspective on what makes South Carolina such a impressive and popular food destination. So first up, we have Raffaele Dell'Erta, who is the executive chef of Hamptons in Sumter of Hamptons in Sumter, South Carolina. Welcome, Raffaele. Hello, everybody. Now, Raffaele, how did I do on pronouncing your name? It was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I, I almost thought I was talking to somebody from Italy. 
Oh, I mean, you're being too generous there, but thank you. <laughs> um, and our second guest today is Jason Tufts. He is a chef at Malia's in Aiken, South Carolina. Welcome, Jason. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're really excited to hear a little bit more from the two of you. We're going to get into lots about the food and, um, you know, where where exactly you're cooking. But I do want to kind of hear at the top Talk a little bit about that. So Jason, I'll start with you because before we started recording, you were talking about the Masters, as in the golf yes. tournament. Yes. And so get, give us a little bit of context of why the Masters has uh, anything to do with where you're cooking. Uh, we're actually right across the uh, river from Augusta. It's about a 20 minute drive, depending upon where in town you're located. Um, so we do get a, a lot of traffic. Also, having uh, so many beautiful golf courses in town, we do attract a lot of uh, weekenders that maybe not necessarily are able to make it to the tournament, but they will come play at our courses, they'll rent our houses, they'll uh, eat downtown, pretty much anywhere and everywhere is uh, loaded with tons of wonderful guests this time of year. Has that resulted in any um, excellent celebrity sightings? Oh, yeah. Last year, uh, no, excuse me, two years ago. We didn't have one last year, did we? Uh, Mark Wahlberg was walking downtown through the alley and um, was knocking on the window and all my girl servers were going crazy. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we, get, we get quite a few, yeah. That's awesome. And then, Raffaele, you're in Sumter, South Carolina. And of course, I know there's a story here on you coming from Italy to South Carolina. We'll get into that. But tell us a bit about Sumter and, and about Hamptons. Yeah, so uh, Sumter is located between uh, Colombia and Florence, kind of like, you know, right in, in, in the middle. And uh, so Hampton is, um, you know, it's just a, in an upscale restaurant, uh, like Italian-American cuisine, like a more Italian cuisine. And, uh, no, you know, the... The Thompson, the, the the owner Greg and uh, and Daniel, they um, they founded Hampton in uh, 2009, and uh, uh, we I moved in 11 years ago, and uh, oh, that's it. Awesome! I can't wait to hear more about about your journey from Italy to South Carolina. It's fascinating. Um, so, real quick, we just have a few um, kind of recent headlines, other shows on HR, and we want to um, tell our listeners about. And then we have um, a quick announcement. So, Hannah, if you want to kick us off with our headlines this week, yes, um, we've just been having a really great month so far in our coverage, both of the COVID nineteen pandemic and across the board. Um, and one episode that I really enjoyed and found super informative was a recent episode of the big food question. Um, there are actually two episodes produced in partnership with the counter, which is a nonprofit, um, newsroom that we're really proud to collaborate with. Um, these stories look at COVID 19s impact on school lunch. So USDA waivers have freed school cafeterias from the former limitations that were put in place about who can who they can feed and what food they can serve. And the big food question is investigating uh, what the implications are for food school funding and childhood nutrition. Um, so check that out if you want to learn a little bit about what kids are eating and why. 
And on Speaking Broadly recently, Dana Cowan shared a really powerful discussion that she recently moderated. It was called The Journey of Chinese Food in America, and it was hosted virtually by the New York Historical Society. Um, Her guests were just two absolute powerhouses. There was Jing Gao, who's the founder of Fly by Jing, which they make they, they make incredible Szechuan chili crisps and other ingredients that are really hard to find here in the States. And the other um, guest was Heather Lee, who is the assistant professor of history at NYU Shanghai. So tune into that conversation. Um, it's timely and it's deep and powerful and you'll come away learning a lot. And a little extra announcement, uh, Jenna Liute, who is the host of Eating Matters on HRN, is pregnant with her first child. And this ties in with a recent episode where she posed the following questions. How does nutrition impact your ability to conceive? What are key nutrients and vitamins and their recommended food sources for boosting both women and men's fertility? And are there multi-generational health effects of your dietary and lifestyle choices? Those are some very big questions. Jenna spoke with Dr. Nicole Avina to get some answers. She is a research neuroscientist, nutrition expert, and author of the newly released book, What to Eat When You Want to Get Pregnant. So those are some very varied topic areas, and they're all super interesting. You can check them out and many more at heritageradionetwork.org. I think that that last headline that you picked, Hannah, was so um, relevant because we've had a lot of pandemic babies here at HRN. So. A lot of babies. <laughs> yes. The next generation of food radio enthusiasts is going strong. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And then last but not least, we have a quick announcement um, from one of our partner partner nonprofits who we love, um, the IACP, and they are putting together a spring festival virtually, and it's perfect for those people who are really itching to travel but, you know, not quite ready to jump on a plane yet. The IACP Spring Festival is happening tomorrow, Friday, April 16th, and these are a day – it's a day full of classes hopping around the globe – Speakers include Donna Hay, Sonoko Sakai, and Pierre Chum. And you can go to IACP.com for more information and tickets. All right. Well, Raffaele and Jason, thanks for hanging tight through some of our network announcements. Um, so we're going to turn back to you guys. So, Raffaele, I teased this a bit, but we want to hear a little bit more about your journey from Italy to South Carolina. So kind of give us, give us the play-by-play. What, you know, what brought you from, from Europe all the way here to, to the Southeast of the U.S.? Uh, in my 20, early 20, I was, uh, you know, a very good friend with um, somebody who um, worked in New York. So he kind of told me about all the, uh, the restaurant in New York and I was getting, more excited, more I was hearing about it. So I found a restaurant in uh, in Baltimore, you know, keep searching, try to, you know, find a restaurant to give me a visa. So I said, you know what, you know, I just want to try this experience. I want to learn. I want to travel. I want to learn English because at the time I didn't know, can even say, you know, hi. So finally, finally, you know, um, you know, a wrestler who uh, was able to sponsor me, you know, with a visa. So I came in the state in Baltimore when I was 21. And, 
you know, after a couple of years, you know, I met, you know, uh, Molly. Now she's, you know, my wife. So we, we got married. And so we, I told her, you know, I really want to do a very, you know, good wrestler in my, you know, uh, as experience in my life. And, uh, you know, my wife, she loved horses. She loved to be in the country. And uh, now in the city, she said, I will follow you everywhere, but I'm not going to uh, New York, Chicago, LA, you know, all the big cities. And you're like, you know, you're like, okay. All the, the big, nice restaurant that um, all in the big city. So I was looking through um, restaurant guide and uh, the inner little Washington came up and it was just perfect. It was like in, in the middle of the country, you know, 200 people, a resident and uh, horse country. So I applied there and uh, I pretty much, you know, fall in love right away. I did not know much about it in the little Washington and, uh, you know, it's one of the, the best restaurant in the United States uh, by Patrick O'Connor. So when I walk in, uh, I pretty much, uh, oh my God, I want to work here. I pretty much uh, work uh, like crazy for a day. I scrub in pan. I help to cook. Uh, I really, I thought I don't care if I need to be, a, uh, you know, working in this room. So I... Finally got a job, uh, and I was there for 11 years. Um, my wife, she she went to Clemson, uh, and she have a lot friend in uh, in this area. So at the time, 11 years ago, I kind of was ready to leave um, and to do the food I really wanted. So when... Uh, I met the Thompson uh, through a friend. We came over to Sumter and uh, kind of explained to us the vision with the town and uh, the restaurant. And we fall in love right away, you know, with our vision and the growth of, you know, a small little town. And I've been here for 11 years and I'm still loving it. That's amazing. Yeah. Clemson is another part of South Carolina. That's just really, really beautiful. Um, and I think that's so interesting that it was, uh, horses and, and the love of the country that kind of brought you, brought you here. Um, and now Jason, you, um, you know, you're, you're cooking in your hometown. And so I'm kind yes. of curious to hear also a little bit about your trajectory that, um, kind of is a little bit more maybe circular than Raffaele. So tell us about <laughs> growing up in Aiken and then coming back to cook there. Well, it's funny. I mean, I guess every teenager thinks I can't, I can't wait to get out of here. And, uh, this is actually my third time moving back to Aiken. <laughs> um, it's, it's just a beautiful little town. I, I can go on for, for hours about how much I love this place. But, um, for me, uh, I grew up cooking with, with grandma, I had, um, a New York Italian grandmother who, uh, as far as I was concerned, hung the moon, um, anything she did to me was absolute magic. And I spent, uh, every waking second I possibly could with her and, and especially in the kitchen because that was her, her big passion. So, um, it was late high school. Um, I started washing dishes at a restaurant that is, uh, no longer, um, here in town, but working with a couple of my buddies and, you know, my grandmother and my mom saw this interest and were we're feeding it. My mom actually told me that uh, Johnson and Wales in Charleston had a culinary program. So 
I applied uh, as soon as I graduated, right before I gradu- graduated, I applied and um, worked for about a year here in Aiken um, at a local chain restaurant and, you know, worked my way from dish up to to the line. And that was kind of fun. I was like, all right, well, this this is definitely something I, I could do. So let's go ahead and pull the trigger on culinary school. So went to Charleston and um, lived there actually for three years while I completed school. I was working at a, a hotel uh, downtown on King Street, Charleston Place Hotel. Um, and then an opportunity came back up in Aiken. So I shot uh, back to Aiken for a sous chef position and um, was able to spend 13 years with that company. They owned, at the time, they owned over 200 uh, private clubs around the world. So, you know, you had tons and tons of opportunity if they had openings that you could fit into, you can go pretty much anywhere you wanted to. So that took me to Jackson, Mississippi, um, took me to North Carolina for a quick stint. And, uh, then to Hilton head, I worked at the country club at Hilton head for a little over a year and then back to Aiken (laughs) to, uh, to eventually take over the kitchen that, uh, I went, I went to after culinary school. So, yeah. So I'm interested because you both have, you know, culinary school experience as being like a formative part of your career and your journey. I'm I'm just curious because, you know, you hear a lot of chefs sometimes say that you don't need culinary school. You can just kind of go work at restaurants, but I would like to hear from each of you about, um, what that experience kind of gave you and how it kind of set you on the path that you ended up on as chefs? Well, uh, I think a culinary school, it definitely you need to understand the, uh, the job and the responsibility you have. And so kind of open your eye, you know, if uh, there's, if, what you really want to do in life because it's, uh, you know, some, some chef, they, you know, just because they watch, uh, the, the, the food channel, they, they think they want to do, you know, they want to be in the kitchen, you know, they probably love to cook and everything, but it's not for everybody. You know, you just need a kind of experience. It kind of be people. They need to kind of tell you, um, you're going to be stand, standing up on your feet for uh, 12 to 13 hours, sometimes 14 or 16 uh, and um, a, the culinary school it will open the door for uh, for a lot uh, good places. So you know, it's um, I know you can you can get through. You know, you can work in very you know incredible places without education. I met so many people that have a, a different degree and they decided to to cook. They kind of did the opposite. They, they they went to study for um, for something else, and then they they kind of stumble, um, you know, working in the restaurant to pay for school, and they absolutely fell in love. So, uh, but definitely, you know, a culinary school will open more door for you in in, in the for the future. You know, maybe you don't think, but. Uh, I think it will it will definitely help a lot. Yeah, I have to uh, I have to echo what Raffaele is saying. Um, I, I feel that his and my generation are probably the first generation of chefs that really had culinary degrees, and I'm stating that by just what 
um, I've experienced over all the chefs I've worked with, the the chefs that I came up under, you know, were school of hard knocks. And, um, you know, it was for them, it was raw talent, um, hard work, dedication, and just chops. I mean, being able to, to get in there and, and bust it out. But, um, I noticed that I would maybe get a preferential selection over other candidates because I had, um, a, you know, culinary degree on my resume. Um, I do feel that culinary school was, was wonderful in teaching me, um, the basic structure of a kitchen, how equipment worked, what equipment was called. I wasn't, you know, I was completely green going in. Um, but I also feel though that I learned way, way, way more in my first three months out of culinary school than I did in my entire two years in, because it's, you know, it's hands-on practical knowledge, but it was, it was a rude awakening. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't, just a few hours a day, it was, you know, guys breathing down your neck, expecting it to get done perfectly. Cause now you're paying, you're getting paid to, you know, make sure that you're, you're doing things accurately and you're not wasting their product or wasting their labor dollars. And, and another, another thing, a culinary school, they will, you know, they will not teach you how to, to cut a, you know, a, um, you know, to cut a carrot, you know, they come with experience, you know, yes, uh, they, uh, they explain to you, you know, sometimes, you know, like a chemistry behind why, you know, the bread. Uh, uh, so it kind of just help to understand really what happened with, um, you know, chemistry sometimes, why some bread uh, doesn't rise if you do this. So that it kind of just, you know, clear make it clear your idea better so just help you for their reason instead to kind of just uh, um, learn on your own i mean i understand sometimes learning um, on your own can be the best because you go through every scenario until you find the the, the right uh, way to 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 do something but you know it kind of just cuts some of the frustration, you know, in uh, in cooking, because uh, you understand more, um, you know, what happened in in cooking. But and again, they will not teach you how to cut a carrot or to be fast to cut a carrot. That's just come with experience. So that it doesn't matter. You can you can have a ten year school and you still you learn a faster working and do this every day when they give you, let's say I give you a case to cut an onion. That's when you learn. And now when you go through an exam, okay, cut me an onion. So that's all you do, but that's the, how I see So I want to talk a bit about ingredients and some of the, you know, very quintessential South Carolinian ingredients, especially as we're entering um, spring and summer. Um, I thought, Raffaele, I was reading your Q&A on Discover South Carolina, and I think you mentioned some some of my, like, favorite things to eat when I'm in the state. So, like, oysters, um, grouper, Carolina gold rice. And then one that I thought was kind of interesting that maybe people don't think about as often that you mentioned a few times was squab. Um, so I would just like to kind of open it up to ask both of you about some of the ingredients that you love cooking with in South Carolina or things that you're really excited about as we enter the warmer months of the year. 
Yes. No. Um, I like a, probably like a, every chef. Spring is like a funnel where waking up to a, a dormant, you know, a moment where in the winter there is kind of nothing. Uh, you can need the source uh, outside the state, uh, but you know they're still not uh, the the greatest ingredient. But uh, yeah, no. Springtime is. Uh, is you're finally waking up between asparagus and, uh, um, you know, uh, like, like maybe like, um, you know, mushroom. Um, but, you know, squab, you know, when even that's another reason why when I'm moving uh, to South Carolina, you know, they, my friend who was, you know, the general manager, he took me down to the Palmero Pigeon Plan is in downtown uh, Sumter. And I used to use, you know, this product uh, when I was at the Inner Washington. And uh, when you see the, you know, how they, they raise, you know, the, this bird, you feel like you go back in time. It's absolutely beautiful, you know, the, um, you know, the farm. But, uh, you know, there is, you know, like a you know, Ansel Mill, um, you know, in close by here, uh, we uh, we use uh, cheese, lavender, mushroom, um, so many, so many uh, products uh, that are all right here, like a city route. Um, but uh, no, I... Absolutely love it, you know, the uh, South Carolina because um, it's, um, there is so many variety uh, ingredient and thanks to the Department of Agriculture, it kind of just help us, you know, to find this product because, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, some restaurants are lucky enough for the farmer to come to the kitchen, you know, but... Um, you know, with the Department of Agriculture, just they help you out. Sometimes you, you you call them or you go on a website and say, I'm looking for, for this product. And uh, you think, oh, maybe the, I cannot find it here in uh, South Carolina. And sure enough, uh, you know, the somebody in South Carolina is, is doing it. Yeah, because, I mean, the state, you're, you've got like, you know, you've got the low country, you've got upstate, you've got a lot of different kind of yeah. micro regions in one state. Um, Jason, what about you? What are some ingredients that you like want to shine a spotlight on that you're using? Oh, I'm super excited that it's soft shell crab season. <laughs> Those little suckers are delicious. So, yes. um, yeah, we got uh, we got our shipment in the week before last and uh, this last week. We got in a couple of dozen, um, but I, I guess our guy had issues going back down uh, to Beaufort, so we weren't able to get um, our last shipment in for the weekend, which was kind of a bummer. But um, you know, at least we we uh, we're fortunate that we're able to change our menu to kind of reflect what uh, we can get our hands on. So we'll change our menu in the middle of the shift if necessary. If we we sell it to soft shell crabs, and we've you know, the owner and I are really good about communicating and, and putting plans in place. Um, I'm also excited that it's uh, asparagus season. Mineta asparagus is, I mean, literally right up the road for me. And we buy from a fifth generation farm. And um, my my good friend Hope will be delivering me three cases of medium asparagus tomorrow morning. So that's, that's kind of neat, the relationships you're able to personally build with these farmers. Um, some of them will come to the restaurant and meet us, have no problem doing that. Um, but the farmer's market is, I mean, 
three or four blocks from the restaurant. So it's nothing for, you know, us to nip down there and grab what we need and say, Hey, to all the familiar faces, you know, wave and, and, you know, move on. So. Wow. That's really lucky to have the farmer's market so close to the <laughs> yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Wow. And another thing where is, uh, is, uh, really interesting to work with a farmer. Sometimes, you know, they, you know, I'm working with some of the people where they ask me, okay, what do you want me to plan? And I'm, you know, do whatever you want to put on the menu. So you are able to kind of just tell them. So some of the heirloom seed. So if you want to see like a Romanesco stuff, you know, you kind of never thought, you know, you know, here in South Carolina, because they really take a lot uh, experience through some of the products, not just, you know, just put a seed and just let it grow. And hopefully, you know, for the best, uh, you need to understand the, you know, so much about the, you know, the, the dirt and the, uh, the, the, the water, the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the zoning. So we have also the, the, the luck to work with, uh, we farmer, they, they really ask us what we want to, you know, in, uh, you know, for the summer or for the, or for all year round, you know, I work with a few people like that. So we feel very lucky. That's a great place for us to take a quick break because I, I want to continue this train of thought about, um, you know, your roles as chef ambassadors and what that really entails as far as working in kind of two directions, like with your farmers and purveyors, and then also working more publicly with customers. So um, let's hold that thought. We'll be right back after a short word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Discover South Carolina. Learn about South Carolina's culinary scene from the people who know it best. It's Chef Ambassadors. The South Carolina Chef Ambassador Program seeks chefs who embody the best of South Carolina's food scene both in the quality of their ingredients and in their devotion to playing an active role in their communities. South Carolina's chef ambassadors are true culinary leaders. The program aspires to elevate visitor awareness of the state's diverse culinary talent, abundant produce, and numerous tourism locales found on and off the beaten path. Learn more at discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. I'm Kat Johnson here with my co-host Hannah Forden. And we are joined by two of South Carolina chef ambassadors, Raffaele Dalerta and Jason Tufts. Okay, guys, so we were just chatting a bit about, you know, working with farmers in the state and, you know, getting them to grow amazing produce for your restaurants. But I also want to hear a bit about you know, being in the chef ambassador program and kind of what that role means to both of you and how you use this platform to kind of talk to and educate both South Carolinians as well as people who come to the state um, for tourism. Um, well, I, you know, this is, you know, my, uh, you know, second year we, we got invited, you know, last year and then they asked uh, again, uh, you know, to do one more year. Uh, but no, I um, really enjoy to uh, to be chef ambassador because uh, first uh, I, um, you know, was able to work with a very talented chef, you know, with, uh, you know, some of the event the uh, uh, chef ambassador organized, you know. Um, so definitely feel very uh, lucky to be part of, you know, this very talented, you know, chef. 
And I saw with, uh, you know, I give a, a lot of um, respect to the, um, the Department of Agriculture and the tourism. They really try to help us to, um, you know, uh, to kind of to put our name uh, um, on the map. So they, that's, you know, I really enjoy. That's what I try to say too. Very lucky and to be part of the, this group. Um, yeah, I, I again have to echo that sentiment from Raffaele because for me, um, initially when, uh, when we sat down, I remember coming home and, and telling my wife, I was like, um, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I was like, you know, we have Kevin, who is an extremely talented, extremely um, uh, intelligent, like well-versed, um, studied man who's done like his master's thesis. We have Jamie, who is, you know, a, an extremely successful restaurateur, high energy, um, does really, really beautiful things with, with you know, waffles and omelets and has all this um, great civic things that she does with the autism awareness, you know, for her son. And then we have Raffaele, who has this beautiful pedigree, you know, the in at Little Washington. I've got um, Patrick O'Connell's cookbook and Raffaele's names in it. And uh, Raffaele, I keep forgetting to get you to uh, sign that for me. <laughs> but um, for me, it's just, it's a huge sense of pride to, number one, be able to represent my home state, to represent my hometown, um, and to represent my restaurant. Um, I feel very fortunate to be at a restaurant that has such a huge pedigree um, in the town. It's our 33rd year and it was started by Malia herself, um, who is a very, very talented chef. But I think with that pride comes a sense of great responsibility in that I feel I need to make connections with, you know, new farmers. I need to get these products in front of customers because now more than ever, farms and restaurants really need to push you know, push their products. I mean, it, <clears throat> this is, uh, in this economy, you know, big box restaurants and big box uh, farms are going to be, you know, able to, to sustain themselves through the economic downturn. And if we don't really take care and lean on each other, I feel that, you know, the mom and pop farms and restaurants are going to kind of start going away. And that's, that's not what I, I want to see. You know, I want to see these beautiful little holes in the wall that you've never heard of still selling this beautiful South Carolina product that you probably never heard of as well. So I, I just feel that, that, you know, we really need to come together and um, make sure that we hold each other up now. Yep. No. And, you know, you're absolutely right, you know, with, uh, with that. And another thing I just want to add, you know, when, when I, I go out, you know, I used to go outside and meet, you know, the, the, the you know, the guests. I, I haven't done them in quite a bit, you know, with a social distancing reason. But uh, it, it was nice to, to even uh, when, to tell in the story. To sometimes we have, you know, like a private uh, dine, a private uh, dinner for like you know sixty people. So I was buying this product. It was nice to tell the farmer story, what, nice. what they were doing and why they were doing it and how they were doing it. So it's just so, 
in, and, and the guests want to hear that too. You know, it's not just, you know, a, a tomato grow in, in the field and just, you know, put in a box and, uh, you know, just, so there is a, so, uh, ingredient where a farmer, they, they brought from, uh, uh, from Europe, uh, some of the technique and they decided to, uh, to do here, uh, in, in the state, kind of like, you know, cheese. Uh, I, I was, I met, you know, this, this guy, you know, in, uh, from a Fox farm in Anderson and he was telling me, so I, I got curious and I went there to see his farm and just blow my mind away, you know, what he was doing. Uh, so it's nice to, to tell us, so the guest, uh, you know, the story behind each ingredient you prepare. And I think that, that that sums up what you guys have just said, sums up so kind of perfectly what your your role or what you see your role as, is like really being connectors and educators um, and to essentially kind of be a piece of this ecosystem and to make sure that you're doing a, your part of it to ensure that everyone can can stay connected and you know, support one another. And I think that not only in South Carolina, but everywhere this past year, it's been really challenging for restaurants. And before we were recording, Raffaele, you were talking about, you know, doing to go and ways that you continue to serve your community, but, um, in a very different way. And now that we're, you know, starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully things going back to normal and people being able to go back and eat inside of restaurants more, you know, more normally, I'm, I'm curious to hear what, what your hope is for, um, restaurants and South Carolina's food community over the next, um, year or five years, kind of yeah, what, what your hopes are and, and what, you know, what you, what you want to see, um, among the restaurant community, but also the, the vendors and the farmers that are such a kind of interwoven piece of, of, uh, your industry, uh, Jason or. Yeah, I really, I would like to see, um, I guess it, it, it stands to say that, you know, the new normal, whatever that will be, kind of seems to be the new tagline, but, I really would like to see um, everybody comfortable enough to start attending their restaurants again. I mean, there are those of us that take immense pride in what we do and and really enjoy how we make our living. And we want to see you. We want you to be there. We want to interact with you. We don't want to necessarily only put your food in a box and, and send it out the door with you. I mean, that keeps our doors open, but, you know, we're you're missing out on a a huge piece of what you can really get from your restaurant, you know, going back to what Raffaele said about the education piece, um, getting connected with, you know, your food. We, we have such a disconnect with what we eat um, because a lot of times we don't know where it comes from and we really frankly don't care. We just want to put it in our bodies and, and zoom on to the next thing. So I would love to see restaurants, um, you know, obviously open back full capacity, those that um, choose to do so. And uh, I want to see exponential growth. I want to see, you know, restaurants have the success that Raffaele is having in Sumter, you know, I mean, you know, uh, 300% business growth would be beautiful. I mean, that, that would, I would enjoy that. <laughs> you know, they, you know, and Jason, you're absolutely right. You, you want to, um, 
you know, like you you said perfectly, you know, some, some sometimes you know, you know, we just consume food and we just kind of take for granted what it's coming from. And I think it's it's kind of like you know we, you know, when we see, we have this in, uh, young people, they just start in the kitchen, and we just try to give it so much, uh, you know, we try to uh, transmit. Um, Passion, you know, we tell about the ingredient, we tell about it in you know, the cooking, but it's a so uh, we have a so our job uh, because now chefs that are able to come out and talk to to guests, so it's a so our job to kind of you know go out and uh, and tell you know about this ingredient, just uh, make these people because uh, sometimes if you tell a story to the guest, uh, they really you can change uh, people's vision. You know, uh, you know they will you know um, look uh, to go to restaurant more like uh, where they do artisanal uh, uh, food, more like a lock ingredient. They will be they will try to. Uh, learn you know where they're going before to just to go a franchise uh, uh, restaurant so there is is on us uh, i think it's our uh, responsibility to uh, to really help uh, the local farmer to um, you know to to shine and even to put on the menu sometimes it sounds silly but uh, people ask if you put on the menu you know, they ask to the to the where and, and ask where, where it is and where. Yeah, uh, so it's. I think we should do more that that power. No, I uh, I definitely I definitely agree with that, and you know that is something that you're going to be able to get at a, you know, a, a smaller, uh, mom and pop owned place like where Raffaele or where I'm at is a chef being able to come out into the dining room and connect with you one-on-one and, and explain these things to you. If, if you want, you're not going to get that at, you know, any of these, these big chains, you know, and then again, you're also maybe not necessarily expecting that type of quality in those places, but I think you would enjoy knowing that the asparagus that's accompanying your soft shell crab tonight was, you know, farmed, not, you know, 20 minutes up the road. So well, Jason, you've really got me craving soft shell crab now. So thanks for that. I'm <laughs> going to have to get some. Brain too. And I forgot to tell Jason, I saw on Facebook and uh, it really, you know, kind of wake me up. It's, oh, it's soft, soft shell season. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you got to get them. That's one of those foods. It's like, if you don't, if you don't eat them while they're there, you'll blink and they're, they're gone yeah. again. Yeah. So. Season ends beginning of June, I believe. So. Yeah. Um, well, I think my last question for you guys is, you know, South Carolina is just known as such a such a destination for people. And as we uh, come out of this pandemic, people are going to be dying to travel again. Um, And so I'm curious, as you start to welcome more folks back to to your restaurants and to the state, when when people come to visit you and eat at your restaurants, what is what is the thing that you want them to leave with? What is the thing about South Carolina food that you want them to leave knowing? Well, I definitely, you know, I just want to, when I, when I, when I, the guests that they come to eat at Hampton, I want, I want to feel good about, it. I give, you know, the best of, um, 
each ingredient I put on, on the table, you know, because sometimes, you know, you know, I, I put an example, tomato, you know, a tomato, people think, oh, a tomato is a tomato. No, there is a, a good tomato and a bad tomato. Mm-hmm. So when they come to, to Hampton or even, you know, even in South Carolina, you can really find uh, um, incredible ingredient. And, uh, and I wish, uh, you know, the, People will come because uh, you know a lot of the, the, the tourism go to down to Charleston, but there is, a, you know, even in the Midland, in uh, or even uh, the western part of uh, you know um, of um, South Carolina, there is so many, you know, uh, good restaurant where they, 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 you know, they create an incredible dish with lock and green. So my. I wish, so when a guest leave, I wish uh, will uh, that guest will say uh, I eat the best uh, uh, tomato I you know I ever ever. So when when I try to find something, is always try to be you know the best. That's how I hope you know a guest when leave Hampton. For me, uh, I really would like for people when they come visit my home state to number one realize all of the different topography that we have here. We've got a coast, we've got mountains, we've got swampland, we've got uh, midlands. And I mean, that produces so many unique and interesting um, products and animals and vegetables and fruits and so many different things. So I would love for people to remember my state for having such a diverse amount of um, products and food available to them in the most beautiful setting I think that they possibly could, you know, in, in any small, tiny town. I mean, we've got so many beautiful little vistas throughout throughout the entire state that no one really even knows about, you know, beautiful hiking trails or beautiful, vibrant, small southern downtown scenes and you know, there's just, there's a lot to be had here as far as, as far as all of that goes. So uh, I just, I guess basically I want them to leave with a good taste in their mouth. <laughs> and, and come and want more, come back and want more. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you both so much for taking the time to, to chat with us and for, to give us a little bit of that taste of South Carolina. We definitely, um, you know, a month ago would have, would have been in Charleston enjoying the bounty of the state. So this has been a real treat for Hannah and me to, to get to hear from you. Um, again, that was Raffaele and Jason from South Carolina. And thanks to my co-host, Hannah. Thank you. I really want soft shell crabs. It's one of my favorite foods in the world. So <laughs> have to run out and get some. Thank you, chefs. It was so lovely to hear from you. Pleasure to be on here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And the last thing we'll say is that we do know the dates for Charleston Wine and Food 2022. You can go ahead and mark your calendars, March 2nd through 6th, 2022. Um, We are looking forward to that and hope that we see both of you chefs there. Um, That will be a long overdue treat. So um, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week with the second part of this um, double feature uh, episode featuring the other two um, chef ambassadors, Kevin Mitchell and Damie Descalis. Um, so tune into that. We will be back next week.
HR and Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.